everybody. This is Anna and Brian from Amata World Podcast. And today we have our next guest for XR episode, Matt Friedman, who is Professor of Digital Media and Research Lead for Film and Media at Bath Spa University, and as well is founder of Immersive Promotion Design. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hi, both. I'm really well, thanks. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good, good, good. Can you tell a little bit more about yourself and your background, some kind of introduction? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm first and foremost, I'm, I'm an academic. So, you know, I'm a professor of digital media at Spa. I play kind of a research leadership role across sort of film and, uh, and media. My background, though, is, is sort of industry as well. So I've kind of been a journalist, a film journalist. I've, I've worked within, within marketing before then kind of moving into, into academia, particularly sort of around kind of media and kind of marketing kind of sort of subjects, really. And then more recently, I've sort of started bringing those kind of two worlds together, really, by, uh, by kind of working on uh, marketing for immersive technologies. So you mentioned I lead a, a kind of small marketing consultancy that's, that's really sort of based on R&D and research and innovation and kind of developing new ways of uh, trying to commute what, what VR and AR experiences actually are, particularly to audiences that, that haven't really experienced this, these sort of things before. That sounds really exciting. I'd like to dive a little bit more deeper into that, but first I'd like to ask how, how did you get involved with XR? How did you... Yeah, so I mean, my experience in XR, I guess, is comparatively fairly recent. I think kind of the last sort of five, six years, really, as my background is sort of media more more, more broadly and, and, and marketing. I think my, my experience really was a few years ago when I was at Spa, I was, I was lucky enough to, to kind of um, start working on a really big funded project that was funded by the Arts and Humanities Research Council. It was called Bristol and Bath Creative R&D. So this was a sort of massive kind of cross-university project. It had all of the Bath universities, all of the Bristol universities, a whole bunch of sort of big name industry partners like BBC R&D and Audible all involved. And it was really about innovation and supporting the creative sector in the Southwest to sort of integrate emerging technologies and immersive tech was was a kind of key focus um, within that really so we were kind of offering kind of grants to different businesses and academics and different people across the universities really about trying to support businesses really in terms of how how immersive tech can be used trying to rethink what they can be for so funding kind of different projects whether they were in film or performance or gaming or kind of art context trying to sort of infuse kind of different research approaches within all of this and then ultimately you know supporting industry itself in terms of how to create a sort of pipeline for how to sort of keep keep these kind of innovations going really so i was kind of one of the researchers one of the co-investigators from bath spa that was kind of working on on that particular project and i think at that time i think kind of immersive tech was um, it was really becoming kind of a real sort of buzzword particularly for for sort of funders and as a result lots and lots of really kind of you know cool exciting projects were, were kind of being um supported you know kind of whether it's vr documentaries or, or all sorts of really kind of cool stuff. And I, I, I think was kind of one of the few people in the room that was slightly, dare I say, slightly skeptical, actually, not in, in terms of about immersive tech or the quality of the work or, or, the, or the partners or the research that we were kind of supporting, but just really from a kind of a sort of audience perspective, I was, I think, you know, because I, I do kind of work in, in marketing, it's kind of second nature for me to think about, yeah, but who is it for, you know, and I think one of the, the challenges for the immersive sector has always been around audience, actually, and it's arguably something that is slightly kind of forgotten about just in terms of really thinking, yeah, but this is great, now this project's really great, this particular, you know, experience is fantastic, but actually, 
who is this for? You know, is this for gamers? Is this for theater goers? Is this for sort of, you know, film goers? Is this for sort of art enthusiasts? Is it kind of crossing these different sectors? Is it something that's just actually kind of supposed to be more practical on, on a sort of day-to-day basis? Actually, who is this kind of project for? Which I thought was a real gap, really, in terms of some of the questions that that were kind of really, were sort of really being asked. And I guess from there, I kind of sort of saw an opportunity, really, which was thinking about how how do we market immersive experiences, really? It's 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 an ongoing challenge. It's one of these questions that no matter who you speak to across the immersive sector, they always go, yeah, like, we wish we knew how to do that better. It's, you know, a really, it's a really interesting question, I think, the more you think about it, because the whole, the whole idea of being immersed is so personal, and it's so emotional, that actually, it's almost impossible to sort of articulate that in kind of traditional marketing terms, when you're thinking about wider audiences, right? Like, how on earth do you re-articulate that, that sort of really unique feeling of what it's like to be in an immersive experience, if you can't actually put the audience in that immersive experience beforehand? I mean, I guess it's a challenge that, you know, the theatre sector for quite a long time were kind of grappling with before they developed certain kind of approaches to doing it. And I, you know, I, I think the immersive sector is, is getting there, but it's arguably sort of still still not really there. And I kind of just became quite fascinated, to be honest, with that particular challenge and then trying to think about, well, actually, how can we broaden the audience for, for immersive experiences as well? You know, we know that the gaming sector is is doing fantastic. We know that there's very clear, successful commercial applications, things like training and enterprise. And then it's kind of starting to be utilized to varying, you know, degrees and successes across, you know, film, art, so on and so forth. Right. But actually, how do we how do we broaden that and how kind of we de- how do we develop sort of new strategies and approaches particularly for people that say have never put on a vr headset before how do we start to engage these sorts of audiences right there's all sorts of barriers in terms of sort of cost and technology etc so i kind of made that a little bit of a mission to be honest so i started applying for, for various grants where i could kind of just experiment and kind of look into that particular question so i was lucky enough to be funded by story futures academy a couple of years ago where I kind of put together a really exciting team of of people across industry, across different universities. We had psychologists involved, we had academics, we had practitioners. And essentially what we did was we sort of partnered with, with a range of kind of immersive studios and artists and basically said, we'll do your marketing for free, to be honest. It was, you know, it was that the offer was, we'll do this for you. We'll base it on kind of research and different approaches and audience testing and different kind of academic perspectives and psychology research we're kind of grappling with at the time to just experiment really and kind of see see whether it works, you know, to see to what extent did we engage an audience? If so, who was that audience? Did we broaden the audience? And it was all kind of very rigorously done in terms of, you know, thinking about applying different tactics and approaches and different visuals and different language techniques thinking about kind of the creative sector the different audiences the different demographics that we were trying to sort of bring together and then kind of tested it all really and and see to what extent audiences were engaged and why and what didn't work and kind of put all that together really as um as a a series of learnings and that's kind of sustained my interest really for, for for a few years and off the back of that I decided to set up immersive promotion design which is a sort of small r&d led marketing consultancy that i do as part of my my role at Baspar university and it's it's essentially a sort of r&d cycle so the idea is that we are we're constantly doing research into new ways of kind of promoting and communicating and marketing vr or ar or immersive experiences experimenting trying new stuff out testing all of these different approaches and then putting that into practice commercially by uh, by working with a range of, of clients so you know i do stuff as simple as web copy 
for you know for for an XR studio it might be to do with social media or it might be a much bigger sort of marketing strategy and and creating the content to actually promote and discuss and, and, and talk about that particular work. But the idea is that it's all absolutely based on research and user testing that then we apply when we work with with a range of clients, really. So XR has become my focus, really, in, in recent years, but particularly around audiences and marketing and just really trying to support the sector, I guess, in terms of broadening the audience and uh, finding new people to, to care about VR because they should. Could you share a little bit what the results of this research was? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do think there's certain kind of learnings that we uh, that we got from from the research that we try and, uh, as I mentioned, try and put into practice with with all of the kind of clients and and creators and businesses that that we work with. So the the website is is www.immersivepromotion.com, and on there we've kind of got a range of sort of case studies where we sort of talk about some of the research that informed it, some of you can see kind of the campaigns that were produced, uh, but also a little bit of like a valuation summary. So we actually, you know, we very much put out publicly, this is sort of what happened, right? You know, these were the successes. This is kind of what we can learn, which, you know, hopefully other people can, can put into practice as well, really. So we we try and kind of share as much of the research and the, and the evaluation as possible, really. I guess one of the key publications, which is which is freely accessible from uh, from the website, is is what's called an, our immersive promotion bible. So this was a sort of key kind of industry report, really, that was that was funded by Story Futures. I guess you know just to sort of pull out kind of just a few a few of the kind of learnings, really, from not just that project, but all of the research that I've I've sort of done into this over the kind of past few years. I always sort of talk about kind of three key priorities really kind of three key things to think about if you're if we're trying to market these experiences particularly to new audiences which is really my my kind of focus in terms of you know broadening the audience for this stuff the first really is is prioritizing marketing so whether that is visually or through language or, or social media whatever that really focuses on emotion rather than technology so if we think about you know some of the more obvious or stereotypical dare we say ways that something like vr tends to be talked about you know we're all very familiar right with that kind of very very stereotypical image of a guy in a vr headset where he's kind of surrounded by like laser beams for example and it feels kind of like very star trekky or you know the kind of marketing that really kind of highlights the technology itself you know so i'm thinking about you know the the spec of the actual vr headset and kind of you know close-ups of the headset itself I think it's understandable why that kind of approach is is lent into so often. But actually, a lot of the research that I did, so I mean, I did a whole bunch of sort of audience research where we kind of did, you know, a number of folk, you know, a large, large number of kind of focus groups with kind of, you know, audiences who had never, ever put on a VR headset before, didn't really know that much about it, didn't really care either way, to be quite honest with you, but really trying to sort of get a sense of what what would it take for that kind of audience to start putting on a VR headset, right? So it was very much kind of those sort of new audiences that we were interested in. And what we found was that it was emotion. So actually when we kind of followed up the research with those particular audiences, they never spoke about technology, but they constantly spoke about emotion, the, the emotion that, a, that a kind of an XR experience can trigger, which unless you've done it, is very, very hard to capture or very, very hard to talk about and often is never talked about in a lot of sort of marketing. For this sort of stuff so you know the idea that actually vr in particular is actually quite philosophical you know it's quite profound in the way that it can kind of open up new worlds and new realities it can change the way that we see the world it can change the way that we feel the world around us even though of course it's not really doing that but it has that particular perception you know a nice analogy really is that i worked with a psychologist who likened the idea of of, of vr in particular to a bit like a sort of a, ch a child's pop-up book so the analogy here is that like when you are a child there's a reason 
why why our parents give us pop-up reading books as the first form of reading. And it's because it's that idea that we are, as a child, we are looking at, you know, pages in front of us and there's a story that's unfolding. And we, in our, our brain, tells us that that's the reality. Like, they, that literally, they are the borders of that reality, right? And then suddenly that, that flap lifts up and it changes everything. Like, the whole preconception of what defines that reality, that story is changed by something just magically appearing before our eyes, right? And then as kids, our eyes light up and it's like, wow, you know? And then it's that same sense of magic almost, you know? So if you think about a magician on a stage, he pulls a rabbit out of a hat. It's the same kind of emotion of, we think this is our reality. We think this is our world. This is what our eyes are telling us is real. And then suddenly something happens, something appears that completely transforms that. And then as soon as that happens, it's like that sense of, wow, reality can be anything at all, right? We can, we can, do and see and feel absolutely anything at all and it's it's incredible and i think that's what vr does and ar as well to you know to a slightly lesser extent or at least in a slightly different way really i think that's what xr technologies can do and that unique emotion that that instills of my god like the borders of my reality are not what i thought they were they're infinite that unique emotion i think is what vr can can offer that i think we need to try and articulate in slightly more creative clever ways to audiences because it's such a profound sell actually that i think it's it's such a great way of kind of leaning into what these technologies can offer right you know following from that really is we kind of talk about you know how the the genre for actually the way that immersive tech typically gets marketed is arguably wrong at least you know in my opinion you know so i mentioned things like star trek a second ago right so much of these experiences if we were to pin a kind of genre to it it would be science fiction in terms of how it looks and how it's you know it's always like the sort of the man of the future type idea that's kind of being talked about the research that we've done shows you know that works for a certain audience but it doesn't work for a for a bigger audience right in terms of a really you know mass audience it kind of doesn't work because it feels alien it feels a bit unknown it feels a bit unfamiliar there's too many questions that surround it and as soon as audiences have questions they kind of go you know what i'm going to stick with what i know i'm going to carry on watching netflix you know what i mean so actually what we need is a slightly shifting genre so you know i mentioned magic a lot magic's a genre isn't it you know if you think about the way that magic whether it's a stage show or you know a magician or a film that's kind of magical in some kind of way think about harry potter there's certain iconography of what we think of as magic that actually is very accessible and is very very familiar to audiences so what we try and do is sort of lean in to some of that imagery and some of that language to sort of recapture that sense of, of, of magic and mystique and wonder and awe and possibility that then links to that kind of emotion uh, that we talked about which is incredibly accessible and goes beyond technology and goes beyond headsets and goes beyond gaming and kind of transcends all of these borders a little bit really and i think kind of the, the final learning really which is a much more practical one was the idea that actually because because immersion as a feeling is so or at least it can be so kind of wonderful and exciting and awe-inspiring actually what we try and do is create marketing that kind of recaptures that particular emotion before but also after the actual you know vr or ar experience itself right so of course you know there's a lot of work that's going on across the sector in terms of like onboarding audiences right or even offboarding as well and it i think our work kind of leans into that a little bit so we try to create marketing that's sort of almost based on kind of the psychology 
of what it is to be immersed like you know the way that our brain kind of goes through stages you know intellectually in terms of i'm not immersed at all i'm starting to be immersed now i'm i'm fully immersed and i'm in the zone and all of these sorts of kind of you know psychological states really so how do we create marketing that kind of reflects that and creates a little bit of a journey for audiences to sort of go into that kind of immersive state but equally after the experience itself how can we create kind of mementos or some kind of content that kind of allows audiences to sort of recapture that feeling of what it's like to be immersed you know so you know a nice example is you know we worked uh, on a vr documentary and then part of the marketing that was done was we created a sort of accompanying ar filter which was actually given to audiences following the experience and the idea was the ar filter was kind of replicating the vr experience and it kind of allowed the user to sort of go back into that particular world obviously without a headset so it doesn't recapture it to the full extent but what it did do was allow audiences to sort of remember what it was like to be part of that vr experience but doing it in a very you know familiar day-to-day environment just on their their kind of mobile phones so then that, that kind of positive emotional feeling that audiences had whilst in vr was kind of extended through you know through a mobile phone through in this case an ar filter sometimes we just do it through mementos or or tokens or or, you know even kind of print materials it doesn't necessarily kind of have to be digital but really trying to you know essentially to to extend that kind of emotional state of what it is to to be immersed recapture some of those really kind of positive emotions that people have whilst in in those particular experiences using some of them to sort of you know guide people into the experience but then as i say using some of them to sort of allow people to, to almost go back into that particular world post vr so that people keep talking about it. So in marketing terms, it becomes a sort of word of mouth technique as well, right? People are sharing selfies of themselves. They're talking about it. They're kind of posting, you know, all these positive memories of what it was like to sort of be within this immersive experience, finding ways to sort of go back into it, which is all, you know, a fantastic way of, um, of creating kind of marketing buzz and exciting and energy post experience as well, really. So I think for us, it's that those kind of three things about emotion, the, the kind of genre of magic, and then extending that kind of experience for us becomes kind of central to, to how we kind of you know work with clients and how we kind of approach the marketing of this stuff. I just want to uh, maybe talk about like some of the recent announcements as well with you know especially Apple coming out with the Vision Pro example. Do you think that's going to bring a lot more attention to the industry and maybe Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's a it's a really exciting announcement, isn't it? I think there's there's lots and lots to say about it. I think, you know, from from my perspective as I say I I don't necessarily consider myself an expert in all aspects of XR at all, but I think thinking about it in terms of audiences, particularly developing audiences, you know, obviously the you know what Apple is doing can't help but be an enormous step change, right? In terms of in terms of sort of leaning into that, just because of you know the status of Apple, obviously. But I think where we are now, you know, Catherine Allen, for example, from from Liminar Immersive, she often, she often talks about this idea of kind of crossing the chasm. So it's the idea that you know when a new technology starts to emerge, there's always a phase where kind of like it it goes from being like you know just something that's done in you know someone's bedroom, right? So then starts starting to grow and then reaches more and more people, and then more often than not, innovations stop, unfortunately, unless they cross the chasm. Like something really big, really radical, really successful happens that allows it to cross over into kind of mainstream audience. For Obviously, for a number of years, I think XR was at that point where it was like trying to cross the chasm and it was bordering on it. And then in certain sectors like gaming and enterprise, it obviously had done. And then in other sectors, it was still very much kind of experimental and it worked in some cases and not others. Obviously, what's happening with Apple is seeing, I think, that kind of crossing of the chasm, undoubtedly. That being said, though, I mean, 
personally, I still don't think we're there yet, even with something like the Vision Pro announcement. You know, I think my thoughts when I when I kind of you know saw that particular announcement was that it still for me slightly kind of reflects the idea that culturally we don't yet quite know what XR is for. You know, and maybe that's a slightly con- controversial statement, but I think there's so much experimentation with XR. You know, in terms of where it's being utilized, it's it's very unlike any other medium if you think about it. Where like you know film was invented and it almost immediately they figured out what film was for you know was something that played in a cinema it was projected on a screen it plays particular stories and it becomes an entertainment medium it didn't take very long for that kind of cultural understanding to sort of be embedded xr is very very different isn't it because it's a technology that transcends sectors and media and forms and audiences and is applied in everything as diverse as you know enterprise and training to theater right and every and everything kind of in between all of that and i think that's a good thing because it means that xr can start to mean lots of different things to lots of different people but it can again from a marketing perspective it's it's a nightmare isn't it because it's like well what is it from an audience perspective actually what is this thing what's its function what's its what's its role culturally how do we even understand this or define this as as a new media if indeed it is right and i think the apple announcement was slightly for me representative of that ambiguity about where it's going you know there was it was almost chapterized wasn't it that you know the announcement it was well it's a cinema thing and this is a new way of watching films and film goers are going to love this for that particular reason but it's equally an office thing and it's a way of doing your emails and your work and then it cuts to a different room right and then it has you know multiple other functions that kind of go alongside of it most of which arguably don't fit together as an overall experience arguably it's not the same user, is it? Even like the, the person that's in the office is arguably not the same user that's watching the film. It might be, but it could very well be a different audience. So for me, it's reflective of that, that actually there's still a lot of figuring out to do in terms of actually who is, you know, beyond gaming, let's say, who actually is the biggest audience for these technologies? What is the the, the key defining cultural industry role that this technology is going to have that's actually bigger than the other stuff? Is it a gaming platform solely? Is it actually a new way of watching cinema or actually is it a new way of doing emailing? Is it all of that? And I'm not sure we're quite yet there, there yet. Uh, and as I said, I think for me, that kind of Apple announcement was just slightly reflective of that. We're still figuring it out. We're still kind of testing the waters with with different audiences and different applications a little bit, really. So it's, yeah, I think watch this space, isn't it? But it's uh, it's obviously a very exciting announcement. Do you have any hopes and predictions for the future of XR Field in general? Yeah, I guess, you know, building on what I was just saying, really, I think for me, the hope is that it as a technology it figures out its role you know and i think as i said i don't i don't think we're there yet but it's something that is 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 constantly sort of underway you know if you look at what universities are doing in terms of putting money into certain immersive projects you know you know all of the big research councils all the innovation work that's going on it's great but as i say it's very much kind of well let's try that and let's try this and let's see what that looks like and I hope that actually does start to sort of find a very, very clear, even if that means narrowing its applications, I would argue that the narrowing of the application is actually a more successful way than I think where we are now, which is let's try everything and 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 see where it lands really and see see kind of what sort of sticks. I mean, a lot of the research that, you know, that I'm familiar with in terms of XR audiences and certainly the stuff that I've kind of done myself, it really reinforces the idea that what what audiences seem to really value about about xr is that it's actually quite practical you know like it's something that can be integrated into daily life it can make our lives easier and richer very very easily so if we think about you know 
all the stuff that you know the fashion industry does i'm thinking where you can try on jewelry and try and clothes for example what retailers do you know like the famous you know the ikea app where you can put sofas in your living room all of that kind of stuff right i think actually that's not to say that that is should be the sole application for this stuff but actually just thinking of xr as something that is really kind of valuable to audiences in terms of making their lives easier but particularly in a way that kind of doesn't shut out everyday reality but extends it and kind of creates a sort of an enriching kind of experience that then kind of breaks down the borders of reality and offers something else really kind of i think is 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 a real kind of hope you know i'm thinking about some key research that was done by by ue the university of west england for example a couple of years ago where it was during the pandemic and they kind of looked at families that were purchasing vr headsets during that particular time because of course the sales for vr headsets shot up massively during the pandemic right fairly obvious reasons for a lot of people were feeling fairly depressed at that time so they were kind of trying to escape into new worlds it makes all sorts of sense but actually they did a whole bunch of research into once the vr headset had been purchased was it still utilized and if so by which member of the family and how often and all of these sorts of questions and actually the overriding kind of conclusion from from that research obviously this was uk based specifically admittedly was that actually a lot of people were buying vr headsets and they used them for a short period of time but actually then a lot of the time people were stopping utilizing it and it became a thing that was literally being picked up less and less as the weeks and the months were kind of rolling on and when they looked into why that was so this was as i say families broadly defined the problem was that people were talking about how vr in particular becomes a way of it's almost like a barrier to everyday life isn't it you know like we're very familiar with having multiple devices and multiple technologies and and our phones and our tablets and and smart tvs etc but all of those things kind of work together don't they you know they are a way of extending conversations and a way of you know enhancing the social experience for people as, as as they sit around living rooms for example whereas vr is can be a blocker to that can't be can literally be a thing that blocks out that kind of day-to-day reality and for a lot of people at least in that particular research that was a problem and it was it continues to be a problem doesn't it in terms of something that is not only purchased but then continuing to be used on a daily basis actually a lot of audiences don't want to be blocked from reality they want things that expand their own reality and i think all of the best immersive experiences out there are the ones that really understand that and really think about how that kind of digital layer essentially becomes a way of not blocking out reality but extending it and offering new perspectives or new feelings or new emotions that are absolutely integrated into into day-to-day life really and again if you look at you know the the apple announcement some of that was doing that right but then other parts of it were kind of blocking it out so there's there's interesting kind of mistakes arguably that you know you could call them mistakes anyway just in terms of again figuring out where immersive works where it doesn't but for me i think in terms of the the future of this stuff who knows where it's you know its primary applications are going to be i don't think anybody quite knows that yet but i think whatever form that ultimately takes as i say thinking of, of xr as something that's synonymous with kind of magic and possibilities something that's about enriching day-to-day life enriching relationships enriching memories even but in such a way that kind of expands the borders of of day-to-day life and frankly makes day-to-day life easier is certainly going to be the way to to kind of i think really embed these technologies to to a wider audience absolutely and i think yeah i just wanted to leave a bit of time at the end for any sort of last words that you wanted to share with our listeners or like how can you find out more about your work the stuff you do and like how can they get involved yeah absolutely so i mean i'm because i'm you know as i mentioned I'm, i'm an academic that also kind of works 
specifically marketing, but works in the immersive sector as well. I, I'm really interested in 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 projects that are from very very sort of different angles and needs, really. So I'm I'm very interested in kind of R and D type stuff. It doesn't have to always be kind of you know sort of commercial stuff or marketing stuff. Anything that is really about trying to rethink or broaden audiences for immersive technologies and trying to support the sector around that particular challenge so whether it's a research project whether it's r&d whether it's kind of something else whether it's just a conversation really about about that i'm very very um kind of interested in that but equally as i said if there are creatives or, or kind of immersive businesses that are you know grappling as i think many people are with this with this challenge of, of marketing and uh, and trying to promote and communicate their experiences to, to audiences that go beyond the existing audience which arguably is still, still, I think, a little bit of a, of a of a niche, despite everything that's going on across the sector. Then I'm obviously very, very interested and, and happy to to support that in in whatever way that I can. So I mentioned the website, so it's immersivepromotion.com. On there, you'll find, as I said, all of the all of the case studies, all of the the research, and indeed my uh, my contact details are available on there as well. So immersivepromotion.com. Please do take a look, and yeah, please do get in touch. Great. We'll be sure to leave all those links in the description. Uh, it was lovely to have you here, and hopefully we'll have you on the additional episode in the future. Yeah. I feel like there's still you know, a couple hours worth of content left <laughs> in our discussion. No, thanks very much for having me. I hope that was, uh, hope that was an interesting listen. That was great. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Bye. Bye.